Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In my early days, I faced a pivotal moment in my career. Instead of following the herd into traditional finance, I charted my own course. Despite skepticism, I founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility. Through perseverance, I established myself as a leading voice in finance, proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed. To get what you want, sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. That's what Harry's did. Seeing people tricked by expensive razors, Harry's took a stand. Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harrys.com gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. Proving that denial is not just a river in Egypt, the National Retail Federation is out in full spin mode trying to make you know, lemonade out of the holiday lemons, what is shaping up to be a disastrous Christmas season. You know, everybody has been talking about how this is going to be a great Christmas shopping season because, you know, the recovery is finally here. Well, I've been saying for months that I expected a week holiday season. And so far, it appears that my hunch is going to prove correct because the figures are out for the four-day holiday weekend. This is traditionally the Thanksgiving weekend is what kicks off the Christmas season. Friday, Black Friday, it got its name because that's the day that the retailers finally make it into the black because they lose money all year And then the Friday after Thanksgiving, they do so much in sales that now uh, they're in the black for the year. And then they make the rest of their money, uh, you know, in uh, in in December through through uh, through New Year's. Well, this year, the uh, the merchants really wanted to get a jump on one another. And they opened the stores as early as ever on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, because some shoppers they felt didn't want to wait all the way till Friday to get the doorbuster deals, uh, so the retailers wanted to give them opportunities to shop on Thanksgiving. So this holiday weekend, shoppers had more hours in which to shop than in any prior 
uh, holiday weekend because of the, the length with which stores were open, the hours that they were open on Thanksgiving Day. Yet despite that, and despite the big drop in gas prices, right, which meant, oh, well, the consumers now, they're really flush because they're not spending all this money on gasoline. Everybody was looking for a, a big blockbuster holiday shopping weekend to kick off the season. And instead, it was a disaster. Traffic at the malls or the stores was down over 5%. So 5% fewer people showed up to shop over the four-day weekend. So not just Black Friday, the entire weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I think 5.2 or 5.4% fewer shoppers. But even worse, the shoppers that showed up didn't shop as much because they spent 11% less than they spent during the prior, during 2013, which 2013, by the way, was the worst year since 2009. And if this holiday weekend uh, sets the tone for the rest of the season, this will be the worst Christmas in memory because 2009 was a drop of about 2% over 2008. And that was, you know, right with the Great Recession. So that was the worst holiday season since the 70s. Well, this one might be worse than 2009, which really is going to make you scratch your head because if we have such a great recovery, right, why is why are people not shopping? Well, the National Retail Federation has the explanation because when you read the articles about the dismal uh, weekend sales, most of them start out with, well, you know, is the novelty of Black Friday wearing off or Americans no longer uh, so enamored or they, 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 they're, you know, it's, it's, they, they don't care anymore. Or they're not, they're not going to rush to the stores. I, I don't think that the allure of a good deal has been lost. I think that Americans, in fact, are more desirous than ever of a good deal. They just don't have the money. But the National Retail Federation, which again, had been ex predicting a, a robust uh, weekend, a big improvement on last year, is explaining it, they're basically saying that the reason that sales are down is because the economy is so strong. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. Now, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, how, how do you rationalize that? Well, this is what they're saying. See, they're saying that since the economy is so much better and people have better jobs and they have more income, that they don't need a deal so much. I mean, they're not desperate to save money. So they can stay at home on Thanksgiving and spend time with their families because they have no problem. They're going to do their holiday shopping later. They're not going to rush to the stores just to save a few bucks because they're so flush. So they're willing to just relax and enjoy the family. And they'll, they're still going to go shopping, right? So they're just as bullish as ever on this holiday season. They just figure since Americans are in such a good mood because the economy is so good, they're no longer desperate for a bargain. So they're still going to shop, but they're just going to do it later in the season, maybe closer to Christmas. And if they have to pay a little bit more, oh, no big deal because, you know, the economy is so strong. I mean, who can believe that kind of nonsense? I mean, is there is there any chance? What if we had had a blowout, you know, Black Friday weekend, right? What if we had had record sales? Do you think the National Retail Federation would have come out and said, this is a bad sign. This must show how desperate Americans are. The economy must be so weak 
that they're more desperate than ever to get a Black Friday deal, right? Does anybody think they would have said that? Of course not. Of course they weren't going to say that. If the numbers were good, they would have used the good numbers as proof of how great the recovery is. But now that the numbers are lousy, they're using the same lousy numbers as proof of how good the economy is. So see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. The media is going to spin this as good news no matter what. Right? I wonder, what is it going to take for people to realize that we are going back into recession? I mean, the government is trying to get us to believe that the last two quarters, GDP growth, these were the strongest two quarters in 10 years. Well, if that's the case, why is this potentially the worst holiday shopping season ever, ever? Let me just read a little bit from this New York Times article that was written about the slow holiday sales. The headline of the article was Thanksgiving weekend sales at stores and online slide 11%. And of course, it began the way most of the articles uh, were written. Uh, Have Americans finally had enough of Black Friday madness? So they're not looking at the big decline in sales as evidence that maybe the economy isn't as strong as we thought it was. They just think that Americans are finally getting sick and tired of Black Friday. Now, I don't think they're getting sick and tired of shopping. They just don't have the money to pay for it. You know, I think that Americans, you know, contrary to being so flush that they no longer need a bargain, they probably need bargains more than ever, given the fact that they now have a part-time job instead of a full-time job, or they don't have any job at all, and the cost of living is going up. They're probably more bargain conscious than ever before. Uh, they, they probably never needed uh, a Black Friday more than they need it now. Unfortunately, the one thing that's missing is the wherewithal to pay for the stuff. Because even though everything's on sale, they still can't afford to buy because, you know, that's how desperate the situation is. But have a listen. I'm going to read. They're, they're interviewing a woman that works at Kmart. Here's what she says. Quote, back in the day, there used to be a lot of people, says Joyce Hudson, 54, one of several shoppers at the Kmart in Los Angeles who wandered the aisles at a pace seemingly no different than other shopping day. Kmart's Black Friday, Thursday evening, and the store stayed open throughout the night. You know, back in the day, what day is she talking about? <laughs> you know, you know, b- before we had this phony recovery. But the real, the real good interview is with somebody that works there at the Kmart. Here, listen to this quote. They're interviewing one of the workers at Kmart, not just one of the Kmart shoppers. This year is really slow. There's a big difference from even last year, said a Kmart customer services manager. Idrina Rania, 44, who said she had worked the day after Thanksgiving for most of her 13 years on the job. Quote, it's never been this slow. We still have all these deals. So she's worked there for 13 years. And she said it's never been this slow. That would include the horrible year of 2009. It's slower now than it was then. As far as she's concerned, this is the worst holiday shopping weekend in her 13 years on the job. What does that tell you about the state of the economy and of the true nature of this supposed economic recovery? Now, today is Cyber Monday. Now, I don't know what the sales figures are going to be for Cyber Monday, but if the weekend is any indication, Cyber Monday today could be down from 2013. Now, that's something that's never happened in the history of Cyber Monday. Now, of course, Cyber Monday doesn't go back very far. I think uh, the the earliest sales records I could find 
was 2006 for Cyber Monday. I think maybe somebody coined the term in 2005, but they first kept track of the sales in 2006. So that means we have seven years where we compare the sales of Cyber Monday, you know, from one year to the preceding year. And there has never been a year where you've seen a decline in sales in Cyber Monday. In fact, 2007, uh, Cyber Monday sales were up 20% over 2006, 2008 up 16%, 2009 was the worst year, the worst year, Cyber Monday sales only up 5%. And again, that was the year where total sales were actually down a couple of percent, uh, but still Cyber Monday sales were still up, but just 5%. In 2010, they were up 16%, 2011 up 22%. 2012 up 17%, 2013 up 18%. So if you throw out 2009, which is the odd year, you know, the lowest, the smallest increase in Cyber Monday sales was 16%. The highest was 22, so it looks like the average is about 18% increase. Now we'll see what we get in 2014. Now if if this is the strongest recovery Right. If this is the year that the recovery is finally here, it's so strong that we don't need QE anymore. We can raise interest rates. Surely we would probably have a better than average Cyber Monday, meaning that sales would be up better than 18 percent. If they're actually down, if they're down for the first time ever, what does that tell you about this recovery? See, it tells me that it's an illusion, that it's a mirage, that it does not exist. And of course, what are we going to have with uh, Q4 GDP if we have these abysmal uh, holiday sales? Because remember, one of the reasons that the GDP was buoyed uh, in the last couple of quarters was because retailers were stocking up on inventory in anticipation of this great Christmas. Instead, we got the Grinch that stole Christmas. And so now... The companies are going to have all this merchandise that they didn't sell that they're going to have to get rid of, which means Q1 GDP could be under a lot of pressure. Not Q1, you know, Q1 for 20, 2015. But also, as I've been saying, I think a lot of layoffs are coming in the first quarter of next year because all these businesses were stocking up on inventory and holding on to employees because they believed the fantasy. They believed in this mirage of a recovery. But when they get to the mirage and it's not there, right, well, now what are they going to do? They are going to let go. They're going to lay off all the, the employees they've been hoarding because they believed that they were going to need them because they thought there was a recovery. And then they realized that there was no recovery. So not only are we going to get this horrible uh, shopping season, but now we're going to get the layoffs to back up on unemployment. When are people going to recognize that this recession is back? that the rate hikes aren't coming, that more QE is coming. You know, we haven't got Hollywood box office yet for the weekend, the Thanksgiving four-day weekend. Uh, I'm waiting to see the final numbers there because I think they're going to be down too. Now, the summer box office was already very weak. The summer for 2014 was below 2013. Now, I took that at the time to show that, well, the economy is weak. That's why people can't afford to go to the movies. Well, the spin that the media was giving was, well, the movies were no good, right? The Hollywood just came out with a bad bunch of movies. And so because the movies were bad, 
people didn't go out to the theater to watch them. And, you know, I'd never thought that, you know, what, what, it didn't even matter whether the movies were good or bad. People still went out. They still went out to the movies uh, as a social thing. And it didn't really matter uh, how good or bad the movies were. People still went. But people have said, well, the, the movies were no good. And I saw no indication, by the way, that the movies were any worse uh, this summer than they had been in, in, in previous summers. And box office internationally was up. So foreigners had no problem. They, 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 they liked the movies. But for some reason, Americans didn't. Even though we had plenty of money because we had this great recovery, you know, people didn't want to go to the theaters. Well, now, you know, we've got movies out. Uh, I forget what they are. Hunger Games or a few other you know movies are out. There's some decent movies supposedly uh, out this uh, this weekend. We'll see what the box office is. My guess is that it's going to be disappointing, just like these retail sales. I think box office is going to go down. Now, how are they going to spin this? See, maybe they're going to say, well, that the reason that the box office is so weak during the holiday weekend is because the economy is so strong. You see, movies are traditionally an escape mechanism, right? So if you're if the economy is bad and your and your real life is is horrible because the economy is so bad, you need an escape valve. So you go to the movies to escape from the drudgery, the misery misery of your actual life, right? It's it's you you know during the Great Depression, right? A lot of people went to the movies, right, to escape reality. And so maybe what the spin is going to be is the economy is so great, the recovery is so strong that fewer people needed to escape reality because reality was so great. So rather than having to escape into the movies and the magic of Hollywood, Americans just basked in the glory of their own life because the super recovery has put so much purchasing power in people's pockets that they're just going to stay home and enjoy their lives with their family. In fact, things are so great, they don't even need to shop. That's how great this economy is. You don't have to go to the movies, and you don't have to shop because the recovery is that strong. Yeah, and now, this can only fly for so long. And, and I, this is what I've been saying. It's, it's going to take some time for the reality to set in. But you have such a vested interest in this phony recovery narrative that it seems that no matter how much evidence arises to shoot holes in this narrative it seems like it's bulletproof right because everybody wants to believe in the u.s recovery right that is that is driving everything and of course that's what's driving the dollar uh that's what's driving gold that's what's driving oil it's the idea that our economy is so strong and everybody else's is so weak so the dollar is going to rise. We're going to tighten monetary policy, even as uh, demand is falling in other countries. And this is what the narrative is that is driving the markets. And of course, you know, gold is also being impacted, had a very volatile session overnight. The Swiss, if you don't know, voted down overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly rejected a return to a modified gold standard. I guess they prefer a, a euro standard. But uh, there was a full court press to try to convince the, the Swiss that this would be, uh, you know, monetary suicide. But I am going to talk uh, more at length about the Swiss vote and the implications for the gold market in a video blog that I will be recording either later today or tomorrow. So hopefully by Tuesday, uh, you'll be able to watch that video blog on my YouTube channel. So I don't want to uh, talk about it now. I'll just wait for for that opportunity. So make sure and, and, and keep it a lookout 
for the YouTube video on my YouTube channel, Shift Report. For now, I just want to focus on the weakness in, in retail sales this holiday weekend. And again, what it means for the U.S. economy, what it says about the U.S. economy, and how willing and how eager the media is and the experts are to dismiss this data and to rationalize it and explain it away because they don't want to give up uh, the, 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 this, this re recovery. They don't want to give up this narrative, no matter how much evidence. Again, it's kind of like uh, the situation in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, with uh, Michael Brown, right? No matter how much evidence comes out that the story wasn't what was originally told, Right, that that it wasn't the case of a uh, um, a, a a gentle giant surrendering with his hands up, being gunned down by a white racist cop. No matter how much evidence, whether it's forensic or eyewitness testimony, no matter how much evidence comes out to contradict this narrative, you still have people that are clinging to it. I still read stories about uh, the Michael Brown shooting where they say his hands were up, he was surrendering. His hands weren't up, and he wasn't surrendering. But it doesn't matter how much evidence to suggest that that wasn't the case. People still want to believe it because, it, A, it serves their agenda, and they don't want to believe the truth. They, they want to believe this lie so badly that they're basically their mind is going to be you know, a cognitive dissonance. They're, they're going to refuse to acknowledge anything that contradicts what they want to believe. Well, this is how it is with respect to the U.S. economy and the recovery. Everybody wants to believe the recovery is real, and therefore they tune out any evidence that suggests otherwise. Well, this only can last for so long, because at some point it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And maybe that will be uh, the GDP numbers we get. Maybe we'll revise the third quarter down. Maybe it'll be the number we get on Friday. You know, we've been getting a lot of bad economic news all week, last week. A lot of more economic data coming out this week, of course, culminating with the non-farm payrolls number on Friday. Everybody, again, expecting 225, 230,000 new jobs created, unemployment rate holding steady. Let's see. Maybe this will be the first month where we get a, a big reduction in the number of jobs being created. Maybe we'll see an increase in the unemployment rate. And if we don't see it this month, we'll probably surely see it in the, in, in the months that follow. But at some point, enough uh, negative data is going to come out. It's going to overwhelm. It's going to be the cumulative effect. and It'll be a big aha moment uh, that, wait a minute, the recovery that we thought was here wasn't. I just can't wait to hear what the excuse is going to be, what the Federal Reserve excuse is going to be when it has to do QE4 and when it has to act extremely surprised. Like, oh, we never would have expected this. Oh, my God, this is out of left field. Everything was doing great until this thing happened that was beyond our control. I mean, again, maybe they're going to blame it on a lack of inflation. I still keep hearing these arguments. You know, I read a, a story today about uh, Poland. And Poland just came out with their GDP numbers for the third quarter, and they were up like 3.3%. But the article mentioned that inflation year over year was now negative 0.4. And that for the last, I don't remember, 20 or 30 months or something like that, that the inflation rate in Poland had been below 1.5%. But the economy was growing, output was growing, 
all signs were that everything was doing well, so that the, the central bank wasn't going to raise rates. But this economist who was interviewed basically said the lack of inflation in Poland is alarming. The lack of inflation is alarming. And he expects the central bank to cut rates to, you know, to do something about this alarming situation. What's alarming about it? The economy is growing, output is growing, and prices aren't rising. So consumers are getting the benefit of increased production because they're able to buy more stuff without having to pay higher prices. There is no evidence that this absence of inflation is causing a problem for Poland, yet the economists think they need to do something about it anyway because, of course, just because it hasn't you know, shown up, shown up as a problem yet, we know it will because you know, deflation is horrible. And if you don't have inflation, you can't have economic growth. So any economic growth that Poland is enjoying obviously is temporary because the lack of inflation shows you that the growth is going to go away. And just to, to make sure that doesn't happen, they better print more money. They better create more inflation. They better ease. Even though interest rates are 2% in Poland, they're still low. They're just not at zero the way they are in, in other parts of Europe. So maybe it's going to be this uh, absence of inflation, the big drop in the oil price uh, that is going to be worrying the Fed. Who knows? I mean, it could be something else. Right? Maybe they're going to try to one-up the National Retail Federation with their lame excuse about consumers being so prosperous and so flush that they no longer need a good deal. Right? They don't care what they pay, what, how much they pay for their Christmas presents because they're that wealthy, because the economy is that strong. Anyway, we got a lot of economic data coming out this week, so expect a lot of podcasts culminating again at the end of the week on Friday when we will uh, go over the jobs numbers. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.